This is the Career Insights Podcast, brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland Careers and Employability Team. Hello and welcome to another episode of Career Insights, where it's all about how to develop your professional identity, engage with industry and build experience, strengthen your confidence in career planning and become the most employable you can be. I'm Jennifer Luke, Career Development Educator and Researcher with the University of Southern Queensland and a member of USQ's Careers and Employability team. Today's episode, it's all about preparing for job applications and interviews, but applying for a job is not just about resumes and cover letters. Today's guest is an educator, researcher and paramedic with extensive experience working in the education and healthcare industries and who is always supporting students in building their professionalism and employability. So welcome to USQ's lecturer in paramedicine, Andy Bell. Thanks for joining us, Andy. Thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to it. Look, it's fantastic that you've joined us today for this episode, Andy. And like always, with everyone that we have on the show, I'd love to start with asking you to just give us a bit of an overview of your current roles. And I say roles. <laughs> mm-hmm. An overview of my current roles? Uh, well, I, I guess I wear a number of different hats, probably three main ones, I guess. Uh, my day-to-day predominant job, the one I spend the majority of my time on is as a lecturer in paramedicine at the University of Southern Queensland, as you mentioned. Um, I have a a lot to do with curriculum development, uh, the delivery of courses. I'm a course examiner for a number of different courses. And uh, I guess in general, uh, trying to assist and facilitate uh, students in their learning of and, and, and getting their head around this world that we call paramedicine and trying to prepare them for their move into their world of the world of professional practice. So that's that's one hat. Um, I, I also am currently uh, studying for a PhD um, in ironically in educational methodology, but through a paramedicine lens. And I'm really looking at the evolving paramedic education paradigm. Paramedicine's in a very unique place. We sit in a really interesting space and time. And uh, and part of that evolution is having a look at the way we've gone about uh, learning things up to this point. And then, of course, looking at the ways we're going to evolve our education so that we can develop ourselves as a fully professional or legitimate professional service moving forward. So that's probably second hat and then I, I wear a third hat as well which is I, I do still operate uh, in the practical space as a paramedic uh, only earlier this year I did stop working for a state-based ambulance service that I'd been working for for about 14 years so certainly uh, earned my, my my stripes I guess at the chalk face there um, but was really only able to step away from that side of things for a couple of months um, and I guess I got itchy feet or whatever you might want to call it. And so have recently taken up contracts with a couple of private companies, one that works predominantly in the event space, uh, large events, et cetera, and another one working in the tactical medical space, both of which will allow me to continue to operate and use my, my practical application of my skills, um, but also allow me to, to really keep myself and my mind sharp when it comes to thinking about the way I'm uh, teaching others and how others are being educated by our system 
and trying to, I guess, apply what we're doing in that theoretical space in the practical applied setting. Uh, because let's be completely honest, I think one of the things that does get lost in a lot of the translation between the education space and the, the industry space is the ability to apply it contextually. So I guess that's probably my third hat. And if I really wanted to be, I, I'm, I'm also a dad to, to two young boys and, and have a few other things on the go. So life's pretty busy, but uh, I'm, I'm really happy with it. No, thank you, Andy. And that's why I said roles, because I knew there was a number of hats. And, and as you said, that's everything that you're doing right now. Uh, and talking about that, what were some of the influences that have led you into that paramedicine or, you know, just working within the healthcare and emergency services side of things? Look, it's been a little bit of a, a long and winding road, I guess. It certainly hasn't been, uh, I didn't leave school and, and do a course in paramedicine and become a paramedic. It certainly hasn't been that by a long shot. In fact, I went to university, I'll show my age here, I went to university in the mid-90s in New Zealand and I, and I studied what is effectively a, a human movement or exercise science type degree. Um, I was fascinated by an anatomy and physiology. I've always been fascinated by the human body. We are a very interesting and strange machine. Um, and then I uh, also did education as well. So I did a double there and, and then I went into school teaching. So I was a high school teacher for a number of years um, teaching a combination of a different uh, different subjects, uh, physical education, science, did a little bit of music and a few other things as well. But I then got uh, heavily involved in the outdoor education world. Now, if I'm obviously a Kiwi, if you haven't picked that up, um, then there you go. Uh, and New Zealand, um, if you know anything about New Zealand <laughs> at all, you'd, you'd appreciate that we, we very much operate in the world of, of uh, the outdoors. And, uh, and so I, I bought heavily into that program and it, while it's exciting to be able to teach things like rock climbing and kayaking, whitewater kayaking, et cetera, which is what I was doing, uh, really what I found most intriguing was that that medium's ability to translate to the understanding and the teaching of certain knowledge, skills, and attributes, which don't really come across in many of the more traditional education spheres. So there's nothing... You know, to, to put a, a group of people together in a really difficult outdoor environment where, you know, there isn't just the lip service of, oh, well, you have to communicate effectively and you have to work as a team. It is legitimate if you don't communicate effectively and if you don't work as part of a team, things are going to go pretty poorly for you. All right? So the top of a mountain is not the place for someone to start, you know, being selfish about how they're going to play the game. So I, I really enjoyed that medium. Um, I did a fair bit of traveling, traveled around the world and, uh, and did work in, in various industries, uh, scuba diving, I uh, worked as a DJ. I've done a whole bunch of different stuff, I guess. But I knew about the um, DJ. <laughs> uh, the DJing wasn't, well, it, it's, to be honest, I spent about 20 years working as a DJ. I, I performed and ran a club in London uh, in the early 2000s. I've performed um, as a DJ and musician at some of the, world's largest music festivals I've played at places like uh, Woodford I've played at, I've played at Splendor in the Grass for example so you know um, I guess it's a completely different kind <laughs> of a hat but what, what's really interesting about that is is that I find the skill set uh, and this but this is probably something I haven't really ever discussed before is that I find the skill set of something like uh, being a musician on stage um, and performing very akin to much of the skill sets that I require and utilize in my world um, as a paramedic. 
So there's an awful lot of transfer there. A lot of it's about, um, I'll use the term, playing what's in front of you. Um, you know, you, you have to be able to adapt on the fly. You have to be able to think and problem solve as you go. You have to have a, a solid set of underlying technical skills, but then you also have to have the ability to manoeuvre within that skill set in order to apply it to the setting as it plays out in front of you. I mean, one of them is about playing to a large crowd of people jumping up and down to a tune, and another one's about making sure that you can control a scene where you've got maybe a large number of upset people at a road traffic crash or something like that. Two very different opportunities, of course, but certainly um, there's an awful lot of crossover in those skill sets. So I did a lot of that. Um, and then I came to Australia um, with a, a girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, uh, and uh, decided to look at some other areas had always still been intrigued about the human body again. Ironically, my father growing up had been a volunteer ambulance officer, um, not a paramedic, but they didn't really exist when he was around um, in, the, in the early 80s in New Zealand. And I'd always sort of planted a bit of a seed. And then to me, um, everything I've always done has always had to have an element of community about it. It's always have, had to have something. For me, it has to have some kind of benefit to society. Otherwise, I really feel like I'm not, contributing mm -hmm. so um with that in mind i retrained as a paramedic um and then i yeah spent 14 years uh, operating in that space um and then a number of years ago i got offered the opportunity and seconded to one of the universities who was creating a, a tertiary education program in paramedicine i had i guess a bit of an unusual skill set because i had tried mm -hmm. a number of different things i had been a school teacher um, i had a formal education background but i also had a formal uh, clinical background um, and so I was able to transition into that space and, and now um, I find myself where I am at the moment. So, yeah, there you go. You know what, Andy, I was, I was expecting uh, quite a, uh, an extensive background and you definitely <laughs> delivered on that. And it was fascinating because you've really answered uh, the next question I was going to ask. So I'm really just going to um, say the question which is what skills and experience from your past jobs or industries do you see as being valuable in your current work? And I would just say what you mentioned already, which I thought was interesting, and I'm glad you did talk about your area that you worked in within the music industry as a DJ and also performing because of the fact that you said about the skills and about handling uh, large groups of people is that, that is a, that's a skill set. Uh, and I really want to bring that in with a couple of questions in a moment when we start talking about job applications, because would you agree then that you have brought a ton of skills that you've been able to transfer into everything that you're doing right now? Yeah, I, absolutely, I, I believe so. The reality is, is that when most people hear the term paramedic or, or think about what they may believe a paramedic is, and that's mm. an interesting debate to be had, um, the reality is, is it's not probably what most people think it is. You know, there's a, there's an idea of, of what you might see on TV, et cetera. But when I speak to my students about this and I'm very, very open about this, and this was passed, this was not my idea. This was passed on to me by one of my mentors. And it certainly wasn't new for him as well, is that really the fundamental skill set required to be a highly effective paramedic is that of a highly evolved communicator. The ability to be able to operate across a diverse group, um, across all groups in society, from the youngest child to the oldest adult, across ethnicities, 
across people who are having a bad, no one ever calls a paramedic. And when you get there, they're like, you say, hey, how are you going? My name's Andy, how can I help you? And they're like, hey, I just wanted to call you and tell you I'm having a really awesome day today. And um, yeah, no, nothing's wrong, I'm cool, thanks. That's never happened, all right? So yeah. when we when we go to people, they're having a bad day. And you think about, it, it, you know, for the listeners that are sitting there now, think about what you behave like when you're unwell. Think about how you behave when you're feeling sick. Are you fun to be around? Probably not. You're probably grumpy. You're probably in pain, et cetera. And that's okay because you're sick. But that's what we go to over and over and over and over again. So the reality is, is that the majority of our skill set, while people believe it's about perhaps, you know, taking 12 lead ECGs and putting lines in people and giving them drugs and et cetera, et cetera. And that is part of our job. There's no doubt. The reality is, is that the large majority of what we do is we build rapport, we show empathy, and we communicate effectively across a broad range of, of uh, different communities and populations. That's really what it's about. Now, everything I've done, being a school teacher, uh, being a DJ, being they're all about communication. They're all about communication. In fact, that's all really I am. You know, if someone said to me, what are you? I would tell them, like if someone said to me, what is your identity? And I know you, you use that word and I love that word. It's such a, it's such mm -hmm. an interesting thing. My identity is not, I'm a, I'm not a paramedic. I'm not a teacher. I'm a communicator. I just communicate in a particular area. And yeah. this is what I find really uh, fascinating. And I completely agree with you, Andy, is the fact that you're highlighting um, being a communicator, and I have noticed that you have been using that uh, terminology uh, when you've been talking about your work. Um, and I would just say the fact that you've highlighted communication, and that's why it's fantastic from that paramedicine side of things for you to be talking about that as being critical as a skill, because it really is critical across all industries. You've got to have that communication, but so much so in the emergency services and just in that healthcare. What I'd probably just lead on to, because what you're talking about is going to keep coming through with all the questions that I'm asking, is that talking about job applications is that, and I know that you're aware of this too with students that you work with, is, and also just probably other colleagues that you've worked with, is, you know, people have a a habit of thinking, okay, resume and cover letter, I've got to do that and that's all. And I'm watching your face um, as I'm saying that, is that I know you've heard this before and I would just say, what would you suggest to a person? So it can be one of your students or it could be, you know, someone that you're working with. What would you su uh, suggest to someone to do first before they just jump in and go, well, I've just got to quickly put together a resume and cover letter and send it off? Like, you know, I've put down, you know, some examples such as, you know, maybe investigate the employer, but, you know, it, there's other things. What would you suggest to someone if they're going, there's a job going, or there's a graduate, you know, application coming up, what do they need to do first? So I'm probably a, maybe a little untraditional in the sense, so please bear with me, but I, you Go know, for I, it. I, know I'm, I know I'm speaking to somebody who likes to think laterally, so I, I'm sure that you, um, for my mind, really what they have to get in order before they do anything else is they have to understand um, what's their story. Mm. What's their story? Because really at the end of the day, and, and we had a conversation in one of my classes just last week. In fact, we had one of your fellow careers uh, um, members 
Michael um, presenting, and my, my, look, Michael's a great communicator. There you go. There's a communicator. It's, he did a fantastic job. Um, one of the things for my mind is, is that students get bogged down in the idea that it's about the piece of paper that they have. It's, it's about the qualification. It's about, you know, grades. Now, don't get me wrong, okay, GPA is important, et cetera. But the reality is, is that if, and I'm just going to use some very broad sweeping generalizations here just to keep it nice and simple. If yep. there are a thousand people applying for this, for, for 300 jobs and all 1000 of those people hold the same qualification, essentially at the baseline level, they all hold the same bachelor's degree, whether or not it's in paramedicine or nursing or whatever it might be. Right. So therefore everybody in that pile has the right to be there because they have the, 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 they have the ticket to the start line, but that's all it is. It's a ticket to the start line at that point. Now what really becomes important is not whether or not you've got that piece of paper because now it's got you there. That's great. It's about why are you there and what can you give and what can you present to that organization and to that profession? And that's about your story. And so for my mind, when I'm talking to my students about this sort of thing, I say to them, what, what, is, what about you? If someone asks you, what is the most interesting thing about you? Then tell me. Now make that come through. You know, if you're the kind of person who has the ability to, to problem solve in, under really highly extreme pressure because you've done blah, 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 and it hasn't anything to do with medical world, you've done something else and you're, then use that. That's your story. You're a problem solver. So sell that as, you know, mm. or, um, you know, what's your story? I'm the kind of person who absolutely rises to a challenge, you know, and here's, here's my examples of that. Because, of course, you need to provide that example, don't you? I mean, you know, reference, please, people, reference for those of you writing essays in my class. Um, <laughs> so so um, if you're a problem solver, then tell us how come you're a problem solver. Show us. If you're a communicator, then do that. You know, sell you. What is it about you that makes you so special? And then, then they'll start to ask the other questions, and then you can really start to get into it. But you've got to, for me, it's about the story. It's about the narrative. It's about being you and what's special about you. And um, look, Andy, I am, I'm watching you as you're talking uh, on the screen there. And uh, I was nodding away while you were talking because I, I do believe, even though you said, you know, excuse me, I'm going to probably go in a roundabout way here. I was sitting there going, no, actually, you're just sounding like you've got a career hat on uh, because it is about people's stories. And look, I'm all for the narrative. And what you've explained there um, is perfect for what I was going to ask, which is, you know, what do you put in your resume? And this is it. Um, it's not just the qualification. And as you said, it's not just paramedicine because, you know, for example, engineering, uh, engineering students, uh, they go through uh, similar graduate programs or like nursing all those areas, and it really is, and I know uh, with the state-based ambulance service uh, is that, you know, they have graduate programs, a lot of people going for it, but you have to be able to float to the top. And what I would probably say then is that putting experience into your resume, so if you're fleshing your resume out and putting really more of your story in there, Experience-wise, I know that experience, we always talk to students about it can be paid, but don't forget your volunteer work or your work experience or, you know, anything at all. 
what would you see as experience? So even from, you know, let's just focus on paramedicine and just healthcare in general. What would be some examples that you would say to students, have you got this experience as well? So it's not just paid, you know, what are some of the other things that they've got to be aware of um, that they might have done or that you'd encourage them to go and do while they're studying? I think it's a really important point. The reality is, is that paramedicine, nursing and all of these things are a community-minded profession. So it's about, you know, when we start to talk about what is paramedicine and what is a paramedic, uh, we really need to, of course, you've got your knowledge, skills, attributes, et cetera, all the things we can list. But the reality is, is that if we want to really truly define ourselves then we need to start talking about things like what can we contribute to society? You know, we are practice-based professions. Without the practice, there's no profession. Without the community in which we operate, there's no profession. A paramedic who doesn't operate within a society within isn't a paramedic. They're just a person who knows stuff about paramedicine. So for me, what you've just spoken about there is really about showing that you have that kind of ethical consideration yeah so if it means going in and volunteering for an organization that supports i don't know um uh, some kind of charity then that's perfect that's perfect that's a great opportunity um whether or not you can get something directly in the medical field maybe Sure, that's fine. But as I spoke about before, I didn't come to paramedicine from medicine, did I? I came from paramedicine from a background in, in teaching and in, and in outdoor education. Exactly. So, so you know, to be able to, to come to the table and talk to your prospect, prospective employer and say, hey, look, you know, I am an empathetic person. I enjoy working with groups in society which allow me to then show them that I care and this is how I've done it. Boom, there you go. There's straight away. You're already rising to the top of that CV pile, aren't you? So is volunteer work important? Absolutely. Does it have to be necessarily specifically in the medical field? Probably not. But does it have to show that you have a community-minded spirit, that you're empathetic and, again, you're an effective communicator if you're able to solve problems, et cetera? Then, sure, that's great. There you go. There's the money right there. And I think what is fantastic with what you just said there, Andy, is, and I'm thinking, you know, if you're having to put together a, a cover letter, everything you just said there, there's where you can, in one page, succinctly state both your values uh, but also your skills um, and not just your technical skills, you know, your discipline-based skills, but like you said, that effective communicator. Uh, you can put those statements in your cover letter. And I'm thinking also, even though we won't delve into it too much um, in this episode, but just in graduate programs, when you've got to put together, and I know that in um, nursing, for example, is that they have to put a statement forward about this is you know, what I'm offering and the experience I've got. So everything you've just said, you could easily tie that into a nice couple of paragraphs. Think like an abstract, even. I've said that to students, is that an abstract usually is under 300 words. Uh, so how can you put everything that you're offering in that nice little bundle? Uh, but I think with everything you've said there, 
And I really just want to sort of finish up our conversation because we've actually been talking for quite a while and I haven't wanted to stop you because it's been good stuff that you've been talking about, is the value of personal connections. And I do ask this with everybody that we talk to. And I know you've mentioned about professional identity, which we do bring up. Well, we don't bring it up. It actually pops up as people are talking, is building uh, your career and seeking out those opportunities uh, networking. Uh, I know that we've spoken about, you know, finding, you know, experience and that can be work placements, but also other avenues to building connections. And I've put here social media because I know that you've dipped your toe into the social media and pretty much started to build quite a bit of a momentum. Is that what have you experienced networking wise using social media? And what would you suggest to a student or just anyone, a job seeker, looking at, well, you know, how can that help me sort of build connections? Yeah, look, that's all really important stuff. I, I really don't think we can underestimate the importance of connection, the importance of collaboration. Um, just to give you an example, uh, you know, I have been uh, operating in this space, not for that long, in, with an intent. Um, and already I found in a couple of spheres, um, certainly, I, tr I think staying outside of the social, social media space, mm. that's not really, I think, a place uh, to be professional. That's not to say you can't do that. Don't get me wrong. You know, I've got a Facebook page and Instagram and things, but I, I don't think necessarily in our uh, sort of areas, they're probably mm. the right places for you to be trying this sort of stuff. But certainly places uh, like um, LinkedIn and, and Twitter can be as long as you sort of can keep your feed uh, reasonably clean. Yeah. Uh, and that's important. I mean, you have to be careful about what you're doing there. But uh, for me, um, there's so much to be gained. There are so many intelligent, interesting, articulate people in the world with so many great ideas. And we're just caught, we sometimes get caught up in our own little bubbles, our own little silos. Sometimes, you know, within things like ambulance services or universities, we tend to, you know, think, oh, well, everything exists in this corridor that I'm working in or this ambulance mm. that I'm sitting in or whatever, and there aren't any other ideas out there. Well, do you know what? there are, and there are people out there who want to be a part of them, and there are people out there who want to share. So for my mind, what I've really enjoyed is putting out some ideas. I guess you have to be a little bit brave, all right? Mm. Sometimes you're going to have to put it out there a little bit and see what the world thinks. And is everybody going to love everything you do? Probably not. So you have to be a little resilient. Sometimes people are going to challenge what you have to say, and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, but then sometimes the feedback as well is people will come back and I've had people contacting me from Germany and from France and from the UK and from America. I've got a bunch of interesting research collaborations on the boil at the moment with um, people from about three different countries um, the reality is, is that uh, those conversations don't happen without you trying to find a way to make those conversations happen. So, so something like LinkedIn, um, building yourself a network, letting yourself um, out there, putting it out there, coming up with some ideas, sharing with others, commenting intelligently on other people's posts, asking to share, asking if you, if you hear about someone and you're like, you know what, that sounds really interesting. I'd love to know more. Be brave, DM them and say, be polite and say, hey, look, I'm really interested in what you had to say. Obviously, it was a short little snippet. Have you got anything else I could have, you know, find of interest? That kind of stuff. The reality, and I've got students in this space right now, is that 
Yes, knowing your stuff is important. Yes, knowing your pathophysiology, your anatomy, your pharmacology, et cetera, is important for the job that we do. But the relationships that you form, the, the collaborations that you have are the things that are going to, one, get you, help you with your employability and also help you stay employed once you're in there because they're going to help you to stay motivated. They're going to help you to stay uh, grounded. They're going to help you to stay, you know, keep you enthused about what it is you're doing and become like a real legitimate lifelong learner as well, I think. So there's all of these things that are tied into it. Um, Just don't fall too far down the the social rabbit hole, I guess, is my word of warning. Yeah. And look, thank you, Andy. And I'm actually going to finish up with that statement because you really brought back in all of those skills um, and about the communication And I would just say that with the job applications, you really have highlighted that it's about bringing across your story um, and highlighting your narrative in it. So you have your qualifications, you have your skills that are required for the job, but you're also highlighting those values that you have and what you're bringing with you. Uh, And so if you could say in maybe one or two sentences, what would you like to say out there to people about when you're prepping for a job and getting your uh, story across there? What would you say just as a final um, snippet for today's episode? Be honest with yourself. Be honest with your prospective employers and back yourself. There you go. Perfect. Look, thank you so much, Andy. This has been fantastic. And I would have gone on for another hour with um, you having a chat about this. Uh, But thank you for sharing. And I would just say thanks for joining us for today's Career Insight show. So a huge thank you to USQ paramedicine lecturer, Andy Bell, who wears many hats, uh, for joining us and generously sharing his insights. Career Insights is brought to you by the University of Southern Queensland Careers and Employability Team and is produced by USQ Creative Arts student Byron Quayle.